John chapter 17, verses 12 through 24. We are going to finish this chapter. This chapter is composed of a prayer that Jesus prayed on the night in which he was betrayed. As he had finished speaking to his apostles, the eleven of them, since Judas had left, and he prayed to his father. We know he prayed a lot that night. And this is at least one prayer that he said that is recorded for us, not only for his apostles, but for our sake as well. We looked at the first part um, earlier, verses 1 through 11. We saw two petitions that Jesus had made. Glorify me. He prayed for himself uh, that as Jesus went through the cross that he would be exalted by his Father, but also uh, that... His Father would keep His disciples, keep them in your name. Uh, The name that the Son had made known to them, the Gospel, uh, the revelation of God that He had given them, that they would persevere in it by God's grace. So now let's pick up in verse 12 through the rest of the chapter. Jesus said, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for God's blessing upon his word. O Lord God, we come to you also in prayer, praying that you would make this prayer that we have read profitable to us, that you would stir our hearts to attend to what you have for us, to understand your word, and to take heart, to be built up in holiness and comfort, to be sanctified by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
in this conclusion, this second half of our Lord's Prayer, uh, we find several petitions that he makes, several requests that he makes. He prays that the Father would keep them from the evil one, that he would sanctify them in the truth, that they would all be one, and that they would be with me, that is, with Jesus. We find, therefore, at least, at least four requests or petitions that are made in this portion. And really, the first one, perhaps even the first two, are connected with what we looked at last week. Keep them in my name. And that also means keeping them from evil and from the evil one. Jesus is our high priest. He prays and intercedes for his people, for his disciples. He is uh, our intercessor, our mediator, our, our in, the one who brings us to the Father, that in him we have access to the Father. And we also know that the Father loves the Son, that he answers the Son. But those things that the Father, that the Son asks of the Father, the Father does. And so we should look at this prayer and first of all see what is it that the Son desires? What does Jesus want? You can also look at it and take heart that these are things that God does. Also take heart that you have a high priest. If you believe in Jesus, that he intercedes for you. He cares for you. And then also, if these are the things that Jesus wants, then we should also seek them uh, as far as they are within our power by the grace of God. First of all, let's look at verses 12 through 16 and his request to keep them, that is his disciples, to keep them from the evil one. Jesus prayed that his father would keep his disciples from the evil one or from evil just as in the Lord's Prayer and some other places in Scripture, the Greek word could be translated from evil or from the evil one. And of course, we would apply this in any case to Satan, to keep them from Satan. Uh, but you could apply it also to the world that is spoken of in the context and the flesh as well, uh, that the Father would keep us from being led astray from those sinful snares that seek to trip us up. And of course, the evil one joins up with the world and with sin. This is this kingdom of Satan that wages war, that seeks to corrupt and defile. And so uh, that is why we need to be kept, why we need to be guarded, because there are forces that would seek to lead astray. This is an extension of Verse 11 that we saw last week, Holy Father, keep them in your name. Just as being kept in the kingdom of grace when we pray thy kingdom come, it also means let Satan's kingdom be destroyed. And so here, being kept in his name, being preserved by God, also means being kept from the evil one. Now Jesus also says in verse 12, as an argument, if you will, for this petition, that he had been keeping them already. Jesus had kept those whom the Father had given him, that he had kept his disciples, and they were with him. The only one who was lost was the son of destruction, 
who had gone had went as scripture had determined or to to fulfill what scripture had already said. I think John, the author here, would say also what he said in first John, that he went out from them because he was not truly of them. He was not of them, and so he went out from them. Uh, he was not one of the elect. And so he's lost, certainly in one respect. He had been part of their number, and yet uh, he went out, which was in accordance with God's plan, even though it was was sinful for Judas uh, to do that, to betray his master and to go astray, led away by the evil one, uh, by Satan's promptings. But besides that, you know, Jesus had kept his disciples they had Jesus' word, but where did they have it? They had it in the world. His disciples were in the world. Jesus was going to leave the world and go into heaven, but his disciples were still going to be in the world. And that was a challenge because the world hates them. The world hates Christ's disciples. Why? Because they don't belong to the world anymore. Again, world here, we're not talking about the trees and the flowers. We're talking about fallen mankind. Mankind apart from God's grace. Mankind that fell in Adam. Those who have not been brought out of that by Christ love their own to some extent, but they especially have this enmity uh, towards Christ and towards his people, that their ways are contrary to one another, that they love sin. But Christ does not. And so there is friction there. The world hates them because they're not of it. In fact, Jesus says that identically twice in this prayer. And so they will remain in the world. Jesus says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world. It's his will that Christians live in the world that is among the, the fallen world. That we are not called to retreat away from uh, the, the world in which we are placed that we're not simply saved and then taken out of the world to heaven. We have a life and a calling here. But that is why we need to be kept by God. Why God needs to preserve us. Because there's a conflict. There is a struggle. As Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be challenges. The world will hate you because you do not belong to it. Yet amid the world you may have joy. Jesus says, I've said these words that they might, that my joy may be completed in them, or may be complete in them. In this world, you also may have joy, because the word that Jesus has given you, to support you, to encourage you, that's what he's been doing since chapter 13, to encourage his disciples to remain steadfast in the world, that Christ has overcome the world, that Christ will send the Spirit to strengthen you, to be your advocate and comforter. You have reason to yet rejoice, and especially hearing this prayer, you have reason to have joy. Among the world, you have the protection of God. He will preserve his saints from evil. So, in applying this, first of all, have joy, trusting in Christ. Take heart at Christ's prayer. You share in his victory. You also share in his joy. God keeps you. You have reason to be encouraged. Will the Father answer the Son? 
Will the Father keep us from the evil one? Yes. Yes, he will. That should also teach us to endure. Not to seek escape. Not to run away. Right? Not to lose hope and flee to the mountains. I'm going to get out of here. Oh, if I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and get out of here. What if the foundations are destroyed? What can the righteous do? Oh no, things are going to fall apart. We can't do it. We can't do it. No, we're here. It's going to be difficult. It's supposed to be difficult. And God's going to keep us. Let's press on. Let's not grow weary in doing good. Press on, holding firm, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. United. Also, think of this in maintaining a distinction from the world, the flesh and the devil. You, you don't belong to those former ways that you left behind. Others might call you to join in with them. Oh yes, we can lie and steal. Oh yes, we can commit immorality. Come along and join us. No, you don't belong to that. They may, might make fun of you or ridicule you, but you can stand fast. You have a father who will protect you. Notice also what Jesus says here is almost identical to what we have in the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember what the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer is? And lead us not into temptation, temptation, but deliver us from Evil. evil. Jesus prayed this. We should also pray it. Pray it with confidence. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. Deliver us from evil. We need God's help. We recognize that by ourselves we're helpless, but with God we can overcome the world. So keep them from the evil one. Secondly, sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Jesus prayed that his Father would sanctify his disciples in the truth, that is, in his word. So Jesus doesn't merely request that we be kept from the evil one, but also something positive, that we would be set apart unto God, be sanctified, that is, be made holy by the truth of God. So he asks that God would sanctify us. Set this people apart. That's the idea of holiness, being set apart and consecrated unto God. Set apart from all sin, set apart unto God in his service, sanctify them. Have you, you hear us sometimes talk about sanctification? Sanctification is a work of God's grace, whereby we are made holy. That more and more we leave aside sin and sinful desires, and more and more reflect God's image of righteousness and holiness. God asks that he, Jesus asks that God would sanctify us. So God is the one setting us apart from the world, setting us apart unto him to strengthen us in holiness, that we more and more might be holy, even as he is holy. Is it all up to you? We have God working this work among his people. But how does he sanctify us? He sanctifies us by the truth. His word is truth. That means 
the Bible. The Bible is his word. Jesus has already talked about God's word. Back in verse 6. In verse 6 he had said, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave me to them, and they have kept your word. So Jesus made known God to them. That is his name. He made known God to them. And they kept that message, that word. So the word here refers to the message, the the scripture, what we have written down for us in the Bible. Of course, Jesus is the word personified. He is the personal word of God. And he, of course, is the truth as well. Uh, But it also applies to the message he proclaimed, uh, to the word that he inspired, that the Spirit inspired. So God sanctifies us through his word. Jesus also says that we are sent, that even as he was sent into the world, he has sent us into the world. Initially speaking of his apostles, and they had a special mission as apostles, uh, but then the church carries on this work in the world. That's why he doesn't want us to be taken out of the world. He's actually sending us in. And then Jesus says he set apart himself. He sanctified himself. Not that Jesus had sins to be cleansed from, but rather he, he set himself apart to his mission in the world. He consecrated himself as a sacrifice, as the Christ. Why? So that his people might be set apart as well by him. So be encouraged that God sanctifies his people. God overcomes the power of sin. God makes you more and more like him. Jesus has prayed for your sanctification. So be encouraged. And then pray for this as well. Look to God for your sanctification. That you eagerly seek it from him, appealing to him to do this work in you. Do you find that you sometimes struggle to do the right thing? To not do the wrong thing? Ask God that he would help you, that he would sanctify you. And with this hope, pursue that sanctification. Seek after that holiness. This is what Jesus desires for us. We should pursue it. And then seek after holiness in the way appointed. How does God sanctify us? By that word that you're holding in your hand. By the truth. By his word. So diligently use God's word. Listen to God's word. Right, Anne? Listen to God's word. Learn to read his word. And then not only to hear it in your ears, but to think about his word. To remember it, even when you're not looking at it. To think about how does that connect with what I'm doing right now. To be sanctified, set apart. Does the world abide by God's word? The word makes the church different because we have it. We believe it. Right? And we seek to follow it. And it informs us of the way in which we ought to go. It gives us hope as well in the promise of the gospel. So study it. Meditate upon it. Let it dwell among you richly. Sing it. Sing of it. Sing of the truth. So do not only survive in the world, 
Uh, oh no, we have to be in it. I don't know what we're going to do here, but we'll have to make it through. But you are actually sent into the world. So act like you are sent into it by Christ to stay on mission. That even as he sought to do his father's will while he was in, his, in this world, so seek to do his will as you have been sent by him to be a light to the world, to be holy, to let the world know that the Father has sent the Son. Be sanctified, holy, devoted, and consecrated unto God by his truth. The third petition, the third request in this passage is found in verses 20 through 23. And that is that they all may be one. Jesus prayed that his Father would unite as one all who believe in him. In verse 20, he notes that he doesn't only pray for the apostles who already were believing in him, but for all who would believe in him through their word. He prays that all of those people would be kept by God. You know who he's praying for right then? People like you and me. On the night in which he was betrayed, he was praying for you and me. Assuming you and I believe in his word, right? Or believe in the apostles' word. Notice that he speaks of their word. Even as he had told his word to the apostles, so the apostles would then tell the world this news, this message, this gospel. And the world, well, and and people would believe in Jesus through the apostles' word. And where do we find the apostles' word? How do you believe in Jesus because of the apostles' word? Well, we have it in the Bible. We have this very book of the Bible, for example, that's written so that you might believe in Jesus, that he is the Christ and have eternal life by believing in his name. That's the purpose John said he wrote the book. That's why we have the Bible. That's the purpose of the Bible, that we might be brought to God. And so the Apostles' word continues to come to us through Scripture, and we therefore, through that, believe in Jesus. Jesus, therefore, prays for us as well, that we would be kept in God's name, that we would be sanctified in the truth. But he also prays that the Apostles and all the believers and all the other ages of the church for hundreds, centuries, thousands of years, that they would all be one. Are all believers one? Yes and no, right? They are one, and they should act like it more than they do, right? This oneness is like, and should be like, the unity of the Father and the Son. He says, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. It's not going to be identical to that unity. They are one God. But it's supposed to be like it. That's also we are to be one body, and to be one mind, one heart, one spirit. This oneness is a shared fellowship, in fact, with the Father and the Son. He says that they also may be in us. That's part of the unity. That's one way to express this unity. It's a unity in God, a shared fellowship with the Father and the Son, to be in them. It's a spiritual unity, 
It's a, a unity we have with God and therefore with one another. But it's also supposed to become a visible unity, a unity that the world can see, that the world sees that this, all these people, they're all one people. They're all one. And therefore come to believe that Jesus sent, that, that Jesus was sent by the Father. Jesus went on then in verses 22 through 23 to use very similar language. He almost seems to be repeating himself, but what he's doing is he first asked the Father to do this. I, I pray that they may be one. And then he goes on to say that I've worked for this very purpose. I've given them the glory that you've given me so that they might be one. So that Jesus is expressing his desire that this is what he wants. This is what he has been working for. And now he prays that the Father would continue this work. That he had already given them his glory, that they may be perfectly one. A oneness reflecting the unity of the Father and the Son. And a unity that would testify to the Father sending Jesus and his love for Jesus and his people. So again, this prayer should give you assurance. God is working on this, but also stir you to action. This is what Jesus desires. So let's pursue it. So this unity is, first of all, a common fellowship we have with God, a unity created by the Spirit that exists. As soon as you believe in Jesus, you have unity with other believers. As John said in 1 John chapter 1, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And those who share that fellowship with God by faith in the gospel, therefore have fellowship with us. If you want to have fellowship with us, have fellowship with God and His Son by believing the same word as we have believed. And therefore we will have Christian fellowship. All those who have God as their Father through Christ are therefore united to you as your brothers and sisters. But then this unity is also something that grows. It's the unity which you are called to maintain. That we should all, as Christians, be of one mind, one spirit, one doctrine. To proclaim the same message. To love one another as brothers and sisters. Sometimes we love each other more. Sometimes we love one another less. But we should more and more. We should recognize each other as members of the same church. We should organize and work together. Now, today, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of division among the church. Some churches have great like-mindedness and fellowship with, with each other, uh, but are divided into different denominations. While other churches actually might be united in one denomination, but not have much like-mindedness and fellowship with one another. They both have unity in one sense, but not so much in another sense. It would be best if churches were like-minded, exercising Christian fellowship among each other, and organized together as ultimately one and the same church without denominational divisions. This unity should also be realized within local churches. That even as we are members of one church, that we should become more and more one. 
uh, to reach this perfect unity that God required that God desires for his church. Most importantly, the local church and regional church ought to grow up into a unity in Christ in the gospel. It's not enough that we be united as a body. Muslims can be united in one body, but that doesn't make them one in Christ, right? That's not good. We should be one, but it's a particular type of oneness. That we should be unified as the body of Christ, not just any body. Well, a body with Christ is the head. A body with Christ is the cornerstone. With the apostles and the prophets is the foundation, with Christ being the cornerstone. And so we should speak the truth in love, each joint and sinew, each member of the body, building itself up together that we might grow unto the fullness of the stature of Christ, that we might be more and more conformed to him and therefore more like one another. So it's a big project. Are we going to be able to solve all the divisions among the Christian church? You know, I'm probably not going to accomplish that. The the denominational things are probably things that will take a lot of time and a lot of arguments, to be honest, that you actually have to eventually solve those doctrinal disagreements and distinctions, uh, or at least to figure out what is important and what is not. But you can begin, first of all, by a shared reception of the truth of God's word, to study it, to get together, and a shared practice of that commandment, that we love one another as Christ has loved us. It begins by us being united to Christ, and then practicing Christian fellowship with other professing Christians in worship, in mutual edification, and help in outward things. These are ways that we more and more are, are one with other believers. And we show the world that we are one and that Jesus is our head and that he was sent by the Father and that he loves us. So let's each do our part. Pray that God would answer our prayer and Christ's prayer, that he would make us all one. The last prayer is that we would be with Jesus, that they would be with me. Jesus has expressed his desire that all the elect, all those whom you have given me, would be with him. Not just with him, though, with him in glory, that we would be brought to him and to see his glory that he would have, that he already had from times eternal, to be with him in glory. The glory that was given him because the Father loved the Son before the foundation of the world. Even before creation, the Son had glory with the Father and love from the Father. And he wants his people to be with him that they too might share and see in that glory. That we might be glorified in him. And that uh, we would also experience the love of the Father. Jesus revealed the Father that his disciples might have the love with which the Father loves the Son. Let me reread the last verse, verse 26. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them.
Jesus has continued to make this name known. He has continued his ministry through the Spirit, even to you and me. That the love of the Father might be in you, that it might be shed abroad in your heart, that you might know it, that you might rejoice, and that your joy might be full. And so let us take heart at the prayers of Christ. Let us give thanks to him for his work, for the love of God, which has been demonstrated throughout all eternity among the Father and the Son, and we now also sharing in it. Join with me in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for your word and for your grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are amazed at this amazing blessing of of glory, of love, of sanctification and salvation, we pray that you would cause your love indeed to be in us, among us, in our hearts, to be understood by us, even though it passes understanding. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.